0: Today we're going to begin a series on the book of Hebrews, and I'm very excited about the book of Hebrews. It was a long time before I ever uh, preached from Hebrews because it's, uh, uh, it's so full of wonderful things. Uh, you're always afraid that you won't do it justice, so hence my prayer that the Lord would really help by the power of His Spirit that Christ would be proclaimed, and it's, it's actually quite easy to proclaim Christ from the book of Hebrews because it's all about Christ. And he's continuously uh, encouraging his readers to, as it says, fix our eyes on Jesus. And we want to do that today uh, as we come to his word. And today we're going to look at the first three verses. Uh, a wonderful beginning to, to this book and uh, one that I hope will be an encouragement to us all. Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we'll stop it right there with God's word. Now Pinocchio uh, is a movie that most everyone has probably seen. Uh, I've been thinking a bit these days about modern man's tendency to determine what really matters to him by looking within to using his own reason and and his own experience to guide him. As we look at our, uh, especially in the United States, we we see all around us people looking within. What do I feel is right? What do I think is right? And, of course, uh, this mixed with uh, the teaching that there is no such thing as absolute truth turns it into whatever i think is right for me is right for me and whatever you want to think is right for you is right for you so everyone is looking inward to themselves to let as, uh... jiminy cricket sang to pinocchio let your conscience be your guide you know that song take the straight and narrow path and if you start to slide give a little whistle give a little whistle maybe jeff could sing it for us huh? <laughs> Uh, and always let your conscience be your guide, he told Pinocchio, and you see how that worked out for Pinocchio. He, he fell into some pretty bad stuff there for a while. Uh, his conscience didn't help him much. Um, I, I looked that up this morning, uh, Just that, that uh, saying popped into my head as I was considering these things, because people tend to want to let their conscience be your guide. And, uh, and I think that's something of a, of a mistake. The conscience will condemn you as long as it's informed by uh, an external standard, the law. Of course, the law is written upon our hearts as human beings uh, to a degree, uh, but that, that writing of the law is marred because of our sin, and we don't fully understand it or grasp it like we should. But yet, we look out around us and people have some understanding of the law of God that, that like murder is wrong, for the most part, people believe that and uh, other things. And uh, there's there. Well, what the point is there's a there's an outside standard, and we we believe it, and that informs our conscience. If we say yes, murder is wrong, but then we commit murder, our conscience should condemn us. But the conscience is by itself it's not our guide. That's why Jiminy Cricket said, "Take the straight and narrow path. Take that path. You you know that path. You." You should follow that path, and when you stray from that path, your conscience will tell you that you've strayed from that path. Get back on the path. Well, anyway, it's bad advice to only let your conscience be your guide. What you have today, though, is people using their inner person to guide them, and they end up affirming all kinds of things that throughout history have been considered wrong and sometimes even evil. Now, we look through the, uh, the Bible, and it warns us of such things. For example, Proverbs 14:12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. If it feels good, do it, people say. Well, you might feel good, but the end is death. The modern spirit has been dedicated to shifting authority from the outside to the inside. From the outside, the Bible, the church, to the inside, reason or experience. Now Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is not modern in this way of thinking. For the writer points his readers outside themselves to God. You'll notice what he says here. Uh, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has spoken. Listen to Him. Do not listen to the myriad voices around you and within you telling you to give up your faith, because that's what was happening here in the writer uh, of the Hebrews' day. The people to whom this book is addressed were beleaguered Christians who had, at one time were Jewish. They may have been Jewish believers. They may have been Gentiles who embraced Judaism and through that became Christians at a later date. But they, at, at some point, from Judaism, had embraced Christ as their Messiah and Lord, but now because of the difficult persecution, all the trials and tribulations through which they were going, they were tempted to return to Judaism. Why? One reason was because Judaism was a state-sponsored religion. It had the seal of approval from the Roman government, whereas Christianity did not. Christianity was persecuted. The, The Jewish religion was not. And so, boy, wouldn't it be nicer? We're worshiping the same God. We can go back to Judaism. and We can get a job. We cannot be persecuted. Things will go easier for us. And that's why the writer is saying, look, you've come to Christ, and he's far superior to what you believed before. In fact, he uses the word better about 13 times, saying Christ is better than Moses. Christ is better than the angels. Christ is better, better, better. And he's saying... Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at Him. Don't take your eyes off Him. He's important because God spoke through the prophets. He spoke through Moses. But He's done something greater. He's spoken through Jesus Christ. You need to listen to Him. Look at what the text says about Jesus because He jumps right into it. Long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So he is the heir of all things. What's an heir? Everybody knows what an heir is. It's someone who inherits something. Uh, An heir receives an inheritance. And what is Christ's inheritance? All things. Everything. Everything that there is. Is His. All of history is traveling a path and will have an end one day. And when that ends, Christ will reign supreme. He will own everything. He will be the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there will be no other rivals to Him. It's all about Him. All of history is about Him. This is his story that we're in. Let's think about that for a moment. In William Shakespeare's play, As You Like It, we read these famous lines All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. Well, if this was written today, it would be a little different. It would be All the world is my stage, and I am the star of the show. Everyone else, including God, may have a supporting role in my show. Well, I searched the internet this morning and I asked the internet via Google this question. uh, How can you be the star in your own life? And I got only 300 million hits. So starring in the movie of your life is something of value to modern people especially to Americans. Now the website that caught my attention was from Oprah, of course. Dr. Phil uh, Phil McGraw was explaining that... Well, he was explaining how to be the star of your own life. And he said, being the star of your own life is essential to you and to those closest to you. And here's how he defined what it means to be the star of your own life. He said... You in your mind stand tall in your life. You in your mind make a difference. You in your mind do things that impact other people, that fill you up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Now, did you notice one word in there that got repeated a lot? You, 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 your, your, your. It's all about you, Dr. Phil says. And this sums up the majority thinking of our day. It's all about you. You're living out your life as if it were a movie. And that script should be an exciting one with a happy ending. And if things aren't going well in the movie, then you need to somehow rewrite the script. He and Oprah were really sad when uh, he asked the audience... How many of you feel like you're starring in your own life? Less than half the audience raised their hands and, oh, it was just terrible that all these people were not starring in their own lives. It goes completely against the grain of modern thinking and values which are really self-absorbed, selfish, self-centered living. Even Christians can adopt this way of thinking the difference being that god is in the movie with us he's got a supporting role maybe he's our guide or a therapist or some advisor or a friend that pops in and out when we when we want him in the scene he's just someone in the picture to support and promote the real star of the show which is you he's there as a supporting actor but it's not all about us it's about the lord See, this world is about Him. It's His story. And He's graciously allowing us to to have a supporting role in it. He invites us into His story, into the movie of His life, His world, His universe that the writer of Hebrew tells us He created. It's His story because He's the one who made the world. It says there, He will inherit all things through him. Everything was made through him. Everything was created. It reminds us of John 1.3, doesn't it? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He's the agent of creation. And he goes on and says that not only is... Jesus, the one who it's all about. He's the one through whom everything was created. He is also the radiance of God's glory. He is the revelation of God's majesty. You see, He didn't just create everything. He's not simply uh, playing out His story in this world that He's created. He has spoken to us. God has spoken to us by Sending the Word to us. The Word made flesh, as John 1 says. The word, made, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. It's the same kind of thing that he's saying here. He's the radiance of His glory. John says in that chapter, no one has ever seen God. You remember when Moses wanted to behold God's glory and uh, God told Moses, no, no one can see me and live. And Moses just got a, a glimpse of the glory as he passed by, as God passed by him. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, the only begotten God, Jesus Christ, the one who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. He has explained Him. It exegeted Him. That's the Greek word that's, that's there. He's uh, broken Him down and so we can, we can see what God is like when we see Christ. Because He is, as it goes on to say, the exact imprint of His nature. What God essentially is, is made manifest in Christ. To see Christ is to see the Father and what He is like. John tells us that He's full of grace and truth. Isn't that wonderful? God has created this world. It's all about Him. And He has reached down to us to... Show us what it's all about. To point us to the one who it's all about. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen to Him. Listen to Him. God has spoken in a great way like He's never spoken before. And this one who has spoken upholds the universe by the word of His power. You know, in, in in Greek and Roman mythology, I forget which one, is Atlas. You know, you've know, you seen the picture of Atlas, and he's holding the world on his shoulders. Pretty strong dude. But it's not like Atlas. Jesus is not like Atlas holding the world up. Uh, it means more that he's carrying it along. He's bearing it up toward a goal, toward the, the redemption of the whole thing of His people, and of creation itself. There's an end in sight, and He's bearing it up until the entire universe comes under His dominion. Listen to Him. It's all about Him. It's His story. And He's telling you about it. He's showing you what God's like. And then finally, it tells us, that He's done something for us. He made purification for sins. See, that tells us not only is there a story that's going on that's not our story, that's not about us, that God is telling us about, wants us to know, but He's done something to allow us to become part of that story. He's made purification of sins. See, we're not the star of the show. We're not the center of the universe. In fact, we're sinners. We are sinners who do not deserve to be part of his show. We deserve to be written off. You know, those characters that they kill off. I, I watched the first season of Downton Abbey, and, and you know, it's a really good show, but I got so upset because they kept killing off all the people I liked. And I just didn't, couldn't bear it anymore. We deserve to be killed off in the script, to be written off. But thankfully, Christ's story is like a soap opera, you know, where a character gets written off, but then they can miraculously come back to life. Uh, You know, they get a brain transfusion or or a brain implant, and they become a new character in the story. Christ can take people who deserve to be written and dead and bring them back into his story. You know, you may think, well, my story, the story of my life, has gone awry. It's a mess. It's a a bad story. It's It's going to have a sad ending. It doesn't have to be that way. Because Christ made purification for sins. You can be washed and cleansed, resurrected from spiritual death, written into the script of God's story, and be a supporting role in what He's doing in this world. You can be part of that. Because he made purifications of sin. And we know he's done everything that he needed to do because it says finally that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When do you sit down? You sit down when the work's finished. When everything is done and Christ has done everything. He can sit down in his rightful majestic place because he's done everything that needs to be done. When he was on the cross, he says, it is finished. The sacrifice that he made for sin was finished and completed. And he could commend himself to the Father because he had done everything that needed to be done to, to purify people from their sins. And therefore, he was received by the Father and he sits down at the right hand of the Father. And there he's interceding for people like you and me. Sinners in need of his salvation. Sinners in need of of His complete and total sovereignty and intervention in our lives. There are lots of voices that we can listen to in our world today. A lot of voices vying for our attention. And, and a lot of them sound pretty good, pretty convincing. But there's only one voice we need here. And that's the voice of the one who is heir of all things, who created all things, who has done everything that we need, uh, the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess, the one who will make all things new and offers to make us all, th- all uh, new as well. May the Lord help us to see Christ and all that he's done for us, and may we give him our hearts. May we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength because that is exactly what he has done for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you uh, for allowing us to gather here today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for the scriptures that point us to Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we often run to so many different things, And we create idols in our hearts all the time. And Lord, we just need you as our Savior and to cleanse and forgive us and to continue to work on us, to overhaul us, to put to death the old man, the old ways of life and to bring the new resurrection life to bear in our lives. Lord, we pray that as we continue our earthly pilgrimage, that you would help us to be faithful to you. Lord, uh, maybe we're, we don't even know you. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would give us faith in you and that we would be faithful to you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to know you, to walk with you as your children, and to listen to you, to everything that you say to us, and to put, us into, put those things into practice. Lord, help us to remember that we're part of your story and to assess our lives based on that. What value do we have? Well, you have given us a role to play. You have given us certain gifts and abilities and opportunities. Lord, may we, may we be a part of what you're doing in this world.